Swap meet just happened. Um, uh, God, this is like the, I think like the fourth one since it was, one was ran up in Weep. What do you mean right? the fourth one? It's, it, no, it's been so many. What are you talking about? I thought you meant the fourth one since COVID ended. I mean, there was a couple well, of Well, okay. COVID, but they were. What they say in Weep is that at the time it was only like once every 10 years. And Def- yeah, they've definitely been picking up a lot faster. Yeah. But it's once every 10 years. Come on. Come on. I mean, yeah, like, from what I remember, you know, it was every 10 years, and it started kind of getting closer to, like, every five, then every couple, and then, like, since COVID's hit, since, like, COVID, things kind of opened up after COVID, um, it's just been yearly. I think it was part of the, at the time, the war game, and that had, at the time and still today, the, the company did have that very North America bias, and sure. so, because there was only a swap meet in the in the US or Canada once every ten years, roughly, that's when they assumed there must be. There's no other swap meet. Like they're not going to have a swap meet in Europe. What the hell? It, it's not like every fucking merchant avatar in the world is in communication with each other. As part, you know, you just need like a certain number of merchant avatars. Be like, hey, let's do a swap meet, and then a swap meet happens. Yeah, exactly. It just needs a bit of um, like who's in charge? Is that is that is that in in Weep who who organizes it? It seems to be kind of spontaneous. So, like, what Weep is referring to is probably the, like, you know, North American swap meet. The English language swap meet, right? Which, because, you know, it, it's a lot easier to barter when you got a shared language. Maybe the Weep swap meet was there is a swap meet in Manitoba mm. every 10 years. All right, all right. Because they were trying to get people to go to Manitoba. Yeah, no, the, the CIA has a uh, long history with uh, the Manitoban tourist industry, I'm aware. But yeah, let's talk swap meets, because it's an interesting little event. Or events, rather. You know, we, we've been to swap meets kind of all over the fucking place. They they seem to be picking up. I mean, but they're also, like, less of a big deal than they used to be, in a way. And they've become, I don't want to say commercialized, because it's all, they've always been extremely commercialized by their very fucking nature. But, you know, they're they're sort of... I don't know, like, there, there's more of, like, a fucking culture behind it, in a way, that, like, it, it feels very, like, mass market in a way it didn't used to. I think it's really picked up this year, especially this year and last year, because of the, um, in 2021, when they tried to do the swap meet over Zoom, and it was a <laughs> fucking fiasco. Yes, yes I, I heard about that. I, I was in there because they were just selling the like the link, the the password to get in. Yeah, you sure, give it to a bunch of merchants. Like it was it was madness. It was like everyone had the same Netflix account for, <laughs> for a minute. It was uh yeah, entertaining. Yeah, this is kind of what happens when you mix merchants with means of microtransaction. It it, it gets a bit silly. And often, you know, it's like the case when any sort of digital service nickels and dimes you for every fucking yeah. little step you take. Eventually you just hit a threshold of like, of why fucking bother, even if it's not like that expensive. But, um, I mean, the other thing is just like, you know, back in the nineties, swap meet was kind of the only way of like really trading wares in the cult underground in any big way. Whereas nowadays, you know, you just fucking use Craigslist or Facebook marketplace. That is true to an extent, but like when you're using Craigslist, Facebook marketplace, any online platform, and you're focusing on the cult underground, um, it, you have to use a whole bunch of like little words. Yeah. There's, there, there's a recognized. Yeah. There's a bunch of like keywords uh, in like fucking obfuscation going on. 
but but the problem becomes one, one you have yeah. a bunch of mundies mundies also come in and not knowing what's going on they just buy it yeah you know because it's often cool you know world. you see pictures of some cool shit with some fucking uh for lack of a better term schizo ass description and you're like yeah i want to see what's up here and even worse, you'll get Mondays who, like, notice the schizo-ass description and see that there's, like, oh, this seller with weird-ass descriptions is getting a lot of sales. I'm just going to copy his way of writing things yes. to sell my completely mundane nonsense. Um, so, yeah, it's a minefield. Um, it's not like the real-world swap meet, like, in person is less of a minefield, but at least you're there. At least, I don't know, there's yeah, something there's there. something about being able to look a person in the eye or eyes. And if someone tricks you in person, you feel like less of a dumbass than if he tricks you like over the internet. And you know, if they trick you in person and you haven't, they haven't gone out of Dodge yet, you can just, you know, beat the shit out of them. Yeah, that's right. It, it's the same dynamics that prevent a lot of the more petty uh, and endemic abuses of the internet from happening in real life so much of oh yeah you know you got you gotta look a person in the eye as you call them a slur and they can also just punch you in the face for calling them a slur well that's one of the things that was being sold at the time at the zoom swap meet there's this thing that you can install on your computer that uh, it just affects your comments but it means that if someone wants to troll your comment they have to take a violence check mm. it gives it gives your online discourse implied violent uh, potential that it otherwise doesn't I mean, have. Yeah, I'd imagine those are pretty low though, right? Like, you know, that, that just privileges buyers and sellers that are like, have no, seen absolutely. some shit. It's, it's, it's fucked up. Yeah, so there's a lot of reasons that didn't work. It's a set level, I think, but even though in real life, like, you like when you're about to say some shit to someone, even though you could think your head is like, I could say this, they're not going to punch me in the face, but I still don't want to say this because there's still a small possibility they might punch me in the face. Yes. It might be 1%, but that's 1% more than I need right now. But the internet, it's 0%, so... I mean, you know, Zoom is still the internet, but, like, again, there's that internet, like, okay, you gotta look the person... You gotta look this person at this person's face while you're yeah. throwing abuse of them. Um, but, you know, it's not like that doesn't stop Twitch people... Harassing Twitch viewers and shit, but it, it it adds that extra bit of like, it adds that extra mental threshold you got to pass. Yeah, and usually that's why these sort of Twitch beefs they're often like sending video messages to each other yeah. as opposed to like when they like when they're actually talking face to face on stream. Like There's suddenly. a lot more civility <laughs> and like, oh, no, no, I, yes. I, I, I see your point. I see your point. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, anyway, so for those that aren't in the know, because we've kind of gotten a little bit ahead of ourselves here. The swap meet. What the hell is the swap meet? So basically the swap meet is every few years or so, but it's gotten more frequent. Uh, back in the 90s, it was every decade or so. Uh, a bunch of merchants would get together and basically decide like, hey, let's do an open air marketplace. We'll run it for a few days. We'll have it somewhere kind of remote. Um, let everyone know where we're going to be. Let some people know we're going to be. If people are really interested enough, then word will spread through the occult underground. And, you know, they're merchants. They can be selling anything. They can be selling, you know, physical wares. They can be selling artifacts. They can be selling something as abstract as the the third birthday of a Minnesotan child, right? Also, you know, more pragmatic abstractions like information, locations of prominent dukes. True names. The swap meet 
If you want something, you can probably find it at a swap meet. And if it's not at the swap meet, then there's probably someone there that can sell you information on who you can get that from. You know, you're dealing with merchants. They, different mer, and you're dealing with like, you know, 10 to 20 merchants of different varieties in the same area. Now, what really got and us into the high-powered ones as well? Yes, high-powered, high- but not the Godwalker. No, no, yeah, high-powered. Yes, the Godwalker stays fucking clear of this place the f- because away, yeah. you know, you, if you're the Godwalker, you don't want to walk into a location where like twenty people that want your job are hanging out. It's not a good idea. I even suspect that any high-powered merchant that has like any plans to take out the Godwalker. If he's smart, or if he or she is smart, probably stays away from the swamp meat as well. Yeah, I mean, they, they skew towards high-level merchants, because that's, you know, the p- people that have the amount of clout to organize one of these things. But, you know, there's also a lot of low-level ones, uh, you know. And there's people that are need, even channeling the merch, the path of the merchant that are selling shit. You don't need to be a merchant avatar to hawk one's wares. It just... Have it following that path gives you a broader and more abstract range of where's to hawk. It's and yeah, it's I think like they prefer to have people like you have different levels of stalls and costs yeah. and all that yeah. and tickets and such. Um, There's also a lot of backroom deals happening, yeah. Yes, but you have to be at the level of merchantry or salesman, if that's what you want to call it. Um, yeah. You have to be able to trade in. That's different. You have to trade in the intangibles, book, whatever. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And me too. Um, but you have to be able to trade in intangibles because otherwise, why bother going to the swap meet? Why, if you're just like dealing in artifacts? And yeah, plenty of people who just deal in normal stuff, like in terms of normal weird stuff, like artifacts and such, they go to the swap meet. But you sort of need to have enough stuff, and it has to be worth it to go through the trouble because that's the level of stuff you're dealing with. It's like people who can buy and sell years, people that can like like take your trauma away. Um, this level of things and if you go there and you've just got like look at me i've got a whole bunch of lucky pennies um it's like you better have a lot like of like kramer in that one episode of seinfeld <laughs> that's right okay so what mate uh you need to be a relatively high level like a merchant really to have like a good stall but you don't have to be but it's it's helpful want to have a good stall but like i'll i'll all the high-level guys are mostly doing wheeling and dealing behind the scenes. And, you know, they do have yeah, stalls. Totally. They're heavily curtained. And there's this air of mystery. Yeah. And they're they're wearing robes and very well-fitted suits and all that sort of shit. Well, that that's happened more and more now. And I think as it's got more popular. But you got to stand out somehow, right? That's it. And this is an issue because it's moved a bit away from its original intent. Uh, this is the problem with becoming something becoming more popular. Uh, now there's la- layers to it. Like there's the... The public facing, well, public meaning the occult underground, and it's still hard to find ways to get to the swap meet. It's not yeah. easy. It's just more people there. Back in the late nineties, based on the uh, the document, yeah. uh, based on Weep, like they gave an example of one way to get at the time to the swap meet, and you have to go through quite a few hoops to get there. There was a whole um, yes scenario attached. It's. We we can go into that in a little bit, but I just it's a lot harder to keep secrets like that, especially for like an event in the occult underground these days. So what tends to be done nowadays is just the swap location. The swap meet is a lot more remote. So finding out where the swap meet is 
Nowadays, isn't that hard? But now the challenge is more, is it worth the hassle of getting there? But, you know, if you have someone with a favor and the swap meet is in, you know, the middle of the Death Valley this year, they can, you know, if you're in good terms with the merchant, they might be able to sell you a one-way ticket to the swap meet that just kind of teleports you there. Yes, but that's always a, that's a trick. That's a trick. There's still... Those with connections are still more able to get there than those without. Isn't there in book three, there's a description of like a, a place in the, I think somewhere in maybe North Dakota or something, where there's like a cave which has got like a crack in it, and the crack, if you go through it, leads to the Kerguelen Islands in like yeah. the southern Indian Ocean no, or something. There, there's tons like of fucking island. places like that, yeah. But that's such a good way to like, we know that the swap meet is happening there, we can't get there, but we could if we just make this crack bigger. Sure. We just crack our way through it, yep. <laughs> keep it yes, quiet. crack your way through the problem. No, words to live by. I know in 20, I think it was 2014, where they had the swap meet at uh, McMurdo Station in Antarctica, and that was fun. Yeah, the researchers weren't too happy about that one that year. No. The, the nice thing about being a hosting location to swap meet is even though you don't have a whole lot of say in it, you usually get some nice bennies out of the experience. Because you, you, you got a lot of merchants flush with memories and... Uh, um, intangibles that they can deal with. So, sure, those researchers uh, went through a very stressful week or so, but they came out of it on average like 10 years younger. So, you know, win some, lose some. 10 extra years in Antarctica. Yep. Hooray. But yeah, um, it's a bit of a shit show these days. Well, I mean, it's a bit of a shit show these days. You know, it's, it's nice because the larger the crowds, the more people are going to want to set stalls and you know, it kind of feeds into each other, but it doesn't have that sort of um, farmer's market feel that it had back in the 90s, you know? Well, you know what's interesting is I've heard um, rumors on the wind that how they do it now, because of like what's become like a big fucking convention, is that there's actually um, decoy swap meets now. So, and they're still I mean, if they're, meets yeah, the if they're functionally part. swap meets, like, okay, I guess. Maybe there's swap meets for, like, the real big players. Yeah, that's what I think is going on. But, you know, you're still you're still going to get some ponies showing up to those, too. Just, I guess, smaller crowds. I, I guess this is, like, analogous to, like, the more enthusiast-level conventions you'll have of anything. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, it, it, it works the same fucking purpose, I guess. It's just, like, to put it in very mechanical terms, you have your street-level swap meets, your global-level swap meets, and your housing-level swap meets. And you can, at the, if you're at a local level swap meet, you can buy the location of the global level swap meet. Sure. And, of and course. Work your, work your way up. Yeah, of course. Of course. But yeah, this is, this is a rumor. You have to jump through, you just have to jump through a lot more hoops. Um, swap meet really kind of started becoming well known when it was, when one got a semi fictionalized account in Weep, um, back in the day. That scenario is a, it, it, it turns padding into almost a fine art of this really cool and evocative core concept. Something that, you know, you could probably handle in like 15, 20 pages. And then padding that out into like 40 fucking pages by having this whole scenario of like all the hoops you need to jump through uh, to get there. Even though it says right at the front, like, hey... Swap meet is designed to be something you can deploy into your campaign, wherever it is. 
And instead of, you know, giving, you know, a few pages of potential hooks and potential hoops, you know, two pages of hooks, four pages of hooks, and then dedicate the rest to swap meet seems pretty reasonably. Instead, dedicates, like, a third of the fucking text to, like, this sequence of encounters you need to go through. <laughs> and this, the swap meet itself is, like, ten pages. And honestly, like, a lot of the fucking uh, scenario to get there has more interesting shit um, and more evocative stuff than the material to find at the swap meet itself. It's honestly kind of disappointing. It's it's very much a tabletop scenario with the classic problem of being fleshed out in the wrong places. Yeah, it's very it's of its time as well, but also you see it today as well. Yeah, it's, I don't want to say it's an of its time thing. Like you know, um, yeah, maybe it's it, it, it's a lot more gameable than your typical tabletop scenario from the nineties. It's also very it, it's. Not very good at committing to its stated purpose of being a broadly applicable resource, first and foremost. Yeah, it's interesting. It's sort of... It seems to be written in a way to make it fit into this scenario book. um, As opposed to being like... It could have just been like a whole bunch of fluff about the swap meet. And here are some people that you'll see there, but I'm not going to give it to you. It doesn't have to be a scenario. It would be better if it wasn't a scenario. I'm fine with formatting as a scenario in terms of just, like, that's kind of the level of detail I want. But I want that level of detail about what's going on at the swap meet, not the bullshit you need to do to get to the swap meet. Including the... And it's not just bullshit to find out the swap meet's location. There's, like, a fucking page dedicated to... Okay, here's what you'll need to go through going through airport security... In fucking Winnipeg. Here's the better portion of a page about Canadian gun laws, which honestly, far as, like, that portion of the book is probably the most useful. At least it doesn't involve someone running around yelling, I am a gun, and shooting bullets at people. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I don't need to know the fucking ethnic makeup of Hat River. Of the, of the small Canadian village of Hat River. I don't need to know it has majority Ukrainian-Polish background. I don't need to know that there's a chicken chef in a subway on the west side. It's, it's, it gets really fucking bad. I will defend it in the sense that this was written... Actually, it wasn't late 90s. It was 2001. But it was probably written before that. Um, it was pre-Wikipedia. <laughs> So okay, but none of this necessary. shit's relevant to swap me. The chances that players are actually going to do anything out sw- outside of the hotel where the swap meet is happening are pr- pretty much nil. Now, if you like want to include some hooks at the swap meet that you know would likely take player characters outside of that hotel to other parts of Hat River, then you know what? Sure, then th- that material is useful. But that material's not fucking there. Now, what I would do with what we've got here in this, what in the book, like the the scenario we've got, because God, I've got a lot of. Cool I would elements. have the Guild Brothers and the Spider at the fucking swap meet first of all. What I what I would do if I was doing a contemporary game is I'd say, okay, your objective is to get to the swap meet. Let's corkboard how you get to the swap meet. And if you want to throw the Guild Brothers up there, great. If you want to throw the Spider up there, great. Just make it into an objective. Because th- that's the level of nah, difficulty. I, I, I definitely more think of like, okay, I'm just putting the whole damn swap meet on the board. Just like, all right, there's a swap meet coming up. 
I want to go to that. I know. I think there is something to be said for like the swap meet is a goal to get to. I'd I'd be well okay with that like, if like you knew you were gonna have a you were gonna roll the results of that into a second objective from the get go, right? I don't want a campaign that just ends at the fucking you shopping around at the swap <laughs> at meet at the door. Yeah, that is fair. That would be funny, but that is fair. Um, I think no, I think that's fun because it does emphasize the like it is meant to be difficult to get there, but how you get there. There's various ways to get there. I think it's I think it's more fun if it's not that hard to get to, honestly. Like, and as we kind of talked about, logically, it's probably easier to get to these days. It's it's a cool little bizarre for it, it, it's you know there's sort of the classic problem in RPGs of like all right we're spending this entire session on shopping right and I think one of the root issues of that is often the shit you're shopping for is just very mundane like all right this is kind of stuff. You know, mundane little shit we want for um, just accomplishing our goals. But, you know, when you're talking about the experience of going to an open-air market in real life, a lot of that is rooted in the joy of discovery, which something like the swap meet does a very good job of simulating of, like, okay, there, this is a bizarre and open-air market with a much higher density of interesting items to peruse through than you'd find pretty much anywhere else. And then you just do a whole couple sessions of like, okay, yeah, you guys putter around, you know, you have something that you want to get you, that you know you can accomplish here and you're going to be spending some part of the session or two negotiating to get that. But a lot of the session can just be spent on the joy of exploring all these stalls and seeing what cool shit you can find. And that that's kind of, that is kind of prep intensive for a GM, which is why this sort of thing is ideal as a pre-written scenario where you just have something that some other writer has already bothered to go through to put together. And you have this big old list of sellers and magic items that you can just grab hands full, handfuls of and throw them into your campaign. And encounters and other things yep, going on. Yep. Um, I've talked about like if the cockpit is bigger now, you could even have like places that are not necessarily selling things, but also like selling like products, but like there's food stalls and games and like it's like yeah. a fair atmosphere almost. Yeah, it's kind of handle it like the sort of classic masquerade ball scenario, right? Where there's like a bunch of guys and they all have their own little objectives. And they're sort of playing off each other and there's intrigues happening. And there's a, ideally a bunch of write-up on like, all right, here's how these are likely to play off each other. Here's how players are likely to get engaged with it. Uh, here's how agendas bump into each other and spark. And uh, how they're likely to spark against probable player objectives. Um, and you just have it as like a resource that you can grab a bunch of stuff from. And, you know, if there's some things you like, you just leave behind. And if there's... Stuff that you, if it sparks joy and you come up with your own ideas of stuff to include in the swap meet, you can put them in there without much difficulty. And yeah, it's, it's, I like that scenario. If I, I really like that sort of scenario, if the write up gives proper support to the GM, which admittedly a lot don't. I agree. I, I think how you're doing it, like how you would suggest doing it, just completely legitimate, just throw it up on the corkboard. Yeah. Use it as a, as like a resource, or like a part of a campaign. But I will defend, like, the getting to the swap meet objective. I can see how it would be frustrating, but only if 
like you're really like thinking, oh, like well, all of this is wasted time until we get to the swap meet. It's like no, it's it's okay. Here's here's how I here's how I make that work. Here's, the journey is the point. Here's how I'd make that work. Here's how I'd make that work. Your objective is to get to the swap meet because you intend to set up a stall there. Yes. You're not you're not there as just a buyer. You're there as a seller. And getting to a swap meet as a seller is a lot more difficult. That is interesting. What that reminds me of is stories I heard from when I was living in Taiwan about um the night markets, yeah. about yeah. like how competitive it was to get a place at the night market and like um having a conversation with someone about how they got their place and it and it involved like going to the the temple that was next door and making nice and talking to the the monk at the temple oh, that's who fucking was perfect. close to the local that's organized crime There's, syndicate and- you know coming up with milestones for this objective it's like all right here's the palms we need to grease here's yep, yep. the Calls we need to make with local authorities, mundane and occulted, to set up something there. Here's the milestone of finding out where it actually is going to fucking be. It made a lot of logical sense um, for those places because it's just like, yeah, temples always have people. People always hungry. So these places... And then the the local monks are like, you know what? Fuck, we're going to make some money off this. We just need to make the right partners. Like yeah, going through yeah that whole process. Um, that's fun, and it's and that's clear with milestones as well. Yes. We have some clear yes. milestones. I have to grease the right palm here. Uh, maybe you already know where it's going to be held. Sure, and you can attend as a buyer because they're not going to put, turn away people with money or charges or memories to spend. But you want to sell stuff? It'd probably be like the objective would probably be worded as sell our trauma at the swap meet or something like that, right? Sell, sell our... our trauma at the swap meet. Yeah, you'd want to include what you're selling at the swap meet. You know that there's people that will buy your trauma. Trauma is, but it's 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 a, there's a niche market for trauma. You can't, it's, it's hard to sell I on Craigslist. I am Craig selling my cancer and I know this is the one place in the world that's going to have buyers for that. That's, that's cool because then you can have every, um, PC can have a, a reason they need to get to the swap yeah. meet and it's the only yeah. place they can yeah. sell it because it's the only place they could potentially find a buyer for yeah their cancer or their trauma or something on that level. Because I, I do think that the swap meet itself is kind of the more interesting thing. You know, you can make the journey there interesting, but that's just going to mean that there's more buildup for the swap meet itself. And fundamentally, you want, you to, want to have a... To you, yeah, there needs to be payoff... And what's entailed there is at least like a couple sessions where you actually have to swap me. And you know, if you're selling this swap, if you're selling shit at the swap me, you can also spend some time browsing the stalls. You got a whole cabal that is manning your booth, uh, and you only need like one or two people there at a time. And the rest of the time, it can be like, all right, let's see what's around. And um, that that's a cool sort of uh, spin on again the. Uh, the classic party adventure framework. And uh, I've seen, uh, I remember reading an OSR blog at some point that talked about the concept of a market crawl. And I think there's something that, to be had there. Is a uh, Tome Dark um, incursion uh, where you're going into like a fucked up market, which I quite like. And I like the, um, the concept is fine. Like going through a market as if it was a dungeon, 
Um, again, going back to like the, my experience with night markets in Taiwan, a lot of people there, and it's it's like a maze of stalls that like you're not going to yeah. go between the stalls. It's like dungeon walls. It works perfectly well. And some markets in some parts of the world will go like twenty four seven. So it's it's always well, it's always going to be something. There's there. similar there there there's similar principles there. Um, it's to a dungeon crawl, uh, but I, I'd say like the difference is like okay, um, how you'd map things out is l- like how how you map out uh, transitions between stalls is less about location and more about information of. Yep. Oh, yeah. I'm looking for this. Oh, I don't know where to find that, but this guy might. Oh, yeah, I know where to find that. Go over there. Um, so it's it's kind of a it's an investigatory dungeon crawl, right? Where each room you you traverse between rooms by getting leads and the contents of each room, rather than defaulting to be a combat encounter. They're defaulting to being a buttering negotiation encounter. You just have like super complex buttering rules, sort of fun. And then you know it, it still has one of one of the core joys of dungeon crawling is preserved, which is the thrill of exploration and discovery. And that's also one of the funnest parts of exploring a real life market. It's just like, hey, let let's see what they got. You definitely want to if you're playing it online, or even if you're playing like in person. I, I like the idea of like having like the map of it, but you've got fog of war going on. Yeah. So yeah. you're like, okay, this is the entrance to the market. Let's go this way and see what stalls are there. Oh, fuck, there's so many people were slowing us down. That's fun. Yeah. And then your DM is just like, haha, this, 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 uh, night market is falling into Carcosa. So I'm just going to move uh, some of these around. Uh, fucking there. <laughs> Everything's always fucking falling into Carcosa. <laughs> That's right. Event Horizon. My fucking great aunt was telling me about how she was, uh, how all she wanted to do was go back there the other day. And I was like, oh, fuck, I think Mima has Alzheimer's. And it's like, then she started telling me about a, like, some fucking play she found. And I was like, oh, god damn it. Everyone and their grandmother has read The King in Yellow these days. It's passe. That is a pretty good, um, sort of like, not, well, I guess trigger event, but like, uh, for a Delta Green game, the trigger event is, yeah, the Alzheimer's patient telling you things that you think is, um, you, you, know, can you can do that with both. You can do that with both. Yeah, totally. Uh, uh, but if you're going full, full, oracular um, uh, dementia is something you can deploy in a lot of genres. I think. Yeah, sure. Um, um, though, I mean, far as I guess, bring if you aren't worried about bringing hack, like kind of overplayed Carcosa shit in there, which you know it's really not overplayed for a lot of people. Um, we, we've been immersed in Delta hey, Green so long. Bring that, it in. I mean, yeah, like, the original draft of Unknown Armies had J.C. Lind and some of the shit from yep. John Tynes' Haster yes. Mythos shit in there. And then yep. there's, on the cover of fucking Postmodern Magic, there's a lady wearing a yellow sign tank top. So, there's excuses. You got I, excuses. I kind of assume- I kind of assumed that, like, it, that she was wearing the yellow sign tank top because she just bought it from Chaosium. <laughs> In the Unknown Armies universe. Sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. I just assume that, like, the game Call of Cthulhu exists within the Unknown Armies universe. Yeah, but it, it, the, the the divergent timeline is, like, in this universe, it's a D6 dice pool system. Oh, yes, of course. It, it wasn't invented. It wasn't created until, like, the late 80s instead of the early 80s. Uh, ah. Sandy Peterson made it after he made the, uh, 
Ghostbusters RPG. Oh, he made that. Fuck. That's he fun. made that. With, I think it was him and like Ken Rolston. I know Ken Rolston didn't work. I know Ken Rolston worked on it. I'm not sure if Peterson did too, but I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. So yes, we're the swap mate. Yes. Uh, we. If you were to like. Uh, Before we, get, the, um, what, I, I do want to get back to the scenario a bit because I would. I, I want to talk about the Traders Guild and I want to talk about the spider because those, those are probably my two favorite details from. If we're going. If we're going to cover the scenario a bit yeah. first, and we should before we go into yeah. like broader things, yes. um, I would just like to mention that uh, the swap meet was written by Rick Neal. Yes, yes, it was um, for uh, Weep, who hasn't done um, a lot of stuff, and but he does have a blog that I found by googling. He has been described on RPGGeek.com as has been published in Postmodern Magic, Stratosphere, Hush Hush, and Weep for Anonamis, and in En Route for Penumbra. Yes. In addition to being a writer, he is also an actor, speaker, hypnotist, magician, and defrocked priest. Sounds like a proper UA character if I've ever heard one. Perfect. Looking at his, Perfect. Yeah, this looking, the, looking at his blog, this, the guy struck is like, okay, yeah, th- this guy gets the vibe. He, he gets the vibe. Not everyone that was even writing for the original yeah. Anonami source books really got the vibe as i see it but this guy gets the vibe even if i like criticize someone like the way this is structured yeah. and things i think especially in this book which has it's it's pretty spotty in terms of the vibe yeah one shots is has more hits than this one though even one shots has some stickers <laughs> yeah i think like swap meet is probably my favorite part of weep um with all my criticisms of it it's a good thing i do like other things as well to an extent, I there's parts of the green grass, gl- green glass gl- grail I really like, but it's, I mean, none of the. I'll be honest, none of these are structured very well. Yeah, they're kind of messy. Um, I like green glass grail as well. I would almost like if I was like rewriting this book, I'd be like, just give me the fluff on the swap meet. Sure. Tell me some things about the green glass grail. Uh, tell me about Stone Lake. Make it a setting that we can go to. Um, and garden full of weeds. Make it a setting. It pretty much is. Like, Drink fucking... Drink that is kind of... It could be one page. <laughs> Jailbreak works because it is tight as hell. Like, you can tell that scenario was play-tested yep. to a mirror sheen. And I don't really get that sense from any of these scenarios. I should... We should run... I should run a few of my favorite things for people. A few of my favorite things are so... <laughs> Swap me. Yes. Uh, the scenario yes. itself. Yes. Um... So yeah, like um, Rick Neal wrote it. Uh, good stuff. Um, he mostly, I think he's only really done stuff for Atlas, but I think I remember like, I, I, I think, I, I read Unroute at one point and it's, you know, it's basically like a collection of like short encounters that you're supposed to deploy in your D&D game while they're en route to somewhere else. And I remember liking his entry, but I, at least I think I do, but I don't actually remember what it is. So I guess I didn't like it that much. Um, but um, Swap Meet, that sort of lead-up portion where you're being forced to jump through a bunch of hoops um, of questionable relevance to your particular campaign, does a really good job of depicting just how fucking weird avatars can get. And, you know, there's definitely a perception that avatars are generally more functioning, more normy than your typical adept. And, you know, I think there's some truth with that. But you can but you can be. Uh, I think on aggregate there's truth, but you can be a fairly normal adept that maintains a day job and shit, and you can also be a fucking weird avatar. 
And this scenario includes two excellent examples. Those being the Traders Guild and the Spider. Now, the Traders Guild is the, a collection of like the Guild Brothers, right? Yes, the Guild oh, Brothers, the even guild, though some of them brothers. are women. Yes, yeah, sure, whatever. And That's, I'd imagine by now a lot of them will have just traded away their genders, and they just it kind of had occurred to them before that they could do that. But yeah, like at the time of writing, some of the Guild Brothers are women, and basically the idea is that you have these six individuals; they're all merchant avatars, and. Over the years, they have traded so many traits between themselves and with other people that all six of them are pretty close to identical, and they've just become sort of the mean of the original six people. Yeah, they've averaged out yes. in a ship of Theseus way. Yes. <laughs> themselves. Yes, yeah. exactly. And they're so obsessed with, like, the art of the deal... That when, like, you're negotiating with them, you have to show up with a bunch of singles. Because as you're asked, playing fucking 20 questions with them, they charge you a dollar per word in their answer. And there's, like, a whole fucking list of, like, here's things that you can ask them, and here's what their responses will be. Um, it's, It's a cool scene. Like, I think it's a really fucking cool scene. It's a cool scene. Yeah, I like it. Like, you fucking ask them, who should we ask to know where to get to the swap meet? Uh, and they tell you someone who knows the answer. And, you know, a lot of these are non-answers, but then they charge you, fi- charge you $5 for each word of that non-answer. They definitely pat it out. Yeah. Like, if you ask, where is it happening? They say, in Canada, yes. $2. It could have just been Canada, $1. But no, it's in Canada. Yes. As opposed to on or under well, and the best part when they pat it out is when they fucking, like, when you agree to terms with them, they start spouting out, like, this, like, basically the line share of two fucking columns, this giant fucking, like, legal terminology exact terms of their agreement, and then they charge you for, like, every fucking word of the agreement. Yep, it's it's when they, they give the whole terms and conditions. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and then charge you... Do you accept? Yes, and then charge you a couple hundred dollars for the privilege of listening to those terms and conditions that are obviously padded out as anything coached in pseudo legalese is. That is that is diabolical. It's just like you have to pay to say yes to the terms and conditions. Don't give them ideas. Don't give the software in- industry any ideas because that would be diabolical. And speaking of which, the since they don't know what the swap meet is, where they end up kind of after this the sort of intended end result of this encounter is they direct you towards another merchant avatar known as the spider what wait wait, before we move on to the spider Uh, um, what i've heard about the uh, traders guild is they're still up to this you can still go to them to get information and they're basically immortal because they've lived they've been around for a while though you know sometimes members will leave and other members will join i've heard they've gone a bit bigger over the years overall but you know the the mean has differed a bit, but they're still kind of like the average of a person. So they've because there's more swap beats happening, and a lot of people are going to there because of this document. A lot of people are going to the Traders Guild to get information on the swap meets, mm-hmm. and they found the easiest way and the more profitable way than doing what they did in the past is they're still doing like you you still pay for the answers, but it's now as a subscription system. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, hmm. is that? I'd imagine that would ding a bit from their merchant score, right? Because that's that's not 
That's not a deal. That's not a exchange. That's just rent seeking. Hey, it's maybe what's... maybe they're channeling the fucking uh the Ursurer these days coming to a splat ah, book near Ursula. you uh, eventually. <laughs> coming soon. Yeah, um, um, don't put that pressure on me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So maybe, but you you know, make it makes sense. Subscriptions. At that moment, when a merchant realized, like, wait, I the the terms and conditions of this agreement could be they have to pay me indefinitely. That 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 was that was a big moment. They're able to get away with it as avatars with a subscription based system only because that's where the the winds of the zeitgeist are going. Yeah, it's it's considered somewhat acceptable for a business to do these days. Yes. Whereas back in the 90s, not... Partially it's an acceptability thing. Partially it was just kind of like people hadn't realized, oh, fuck, we can get away with it yet. And, you know, part of the reason they couldn't get away with it was because of, you know, the heat hadn't been turned on as high for the frog in the pot. And also, like, in terms of, like, the internet wasn't as developed, so you couldn't have, like, software that updates automatically easily. Like, you had to sell it at a place and they install it. As opposed to now, where it's always connected or whatever. Yeah, it wasn't as viable. It wasn't as viable because, like, okay, you know, back in the day, like, all right, if we want to get your subscription fees from someone, then you know, we kind of need to send out uh, loan sharks and collect. You know, need to send out collectors to collect. Whereas now, you're just like, all right, uh, give us your credit card information and please, for the love of God, try to forget that you agreed to this. It'll make our job so much easier. And to go on a tangent about my increasing suspicions about this expression about the the frog in the pot right it's not a good like it, it, it's it's not a good simile cuz it's not true if you put a frog in boiling water it dies yes. if you put a if you slowly heat up water with a frog in a pot it jumps out when it gets too hot yes. because it can feel it's getting too hot it, it's it's one of those whole similes idea that like it gets used to it it's like, do you get used to it when the the, the air around you has gotten too hot? If, yes. you, if I slowly raise the thermostat, are you not going to notice until you burn to death? No, that's ridiculous. Where did this simile come from? What does it want? It's one of those similes like you cannot dismantle the master's house or the master's tools. Uh, like It's catchy. You remember it. Uh, you understand what it's getting at. It's in the literal meaning of the simile. Simile is in no way true. You can totally take apart yes. the master's house with his tools. They're, yes. they're, they're as good as any other tools. It's like saying you can't be hoisted by your own petard. It's like, no, you can, and that's how it works. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, I call those like anti-similes. <laughs> oh, yes. Because just, like... Just say the reverse. Yeah, like, they help to explain the concept with their like catchiness, but they don't actually... They, they, they aren't in any way like an actually apt comparison. But anyway, I guess speaking of tech, that brings us to the spider, which kind of shows how far you can get while still channeling an avatar path, you know, as long as you have some, like, kind of loose relation to humanity. And basically the spider's deal is that there's someone that has used fiber optics and mechanomantics and wires and ports and all sorts of shit to, like, physically hook themselves up to the global market and like they are in like a fucking bulletproof glass box with like a bunch of fucking akira-esque wires and tubes hooked up to their various orifices and they talk to you through atms 
in a digital robot voice. Basically, they need to constantly be making deals because they are so far removed from, you know, the actual human understanding of what a merchant is that the only way that they're maintaining a decently high avatar score is through sheer quantity of trades. And you can go to their fucking house and you get to see them and you see their fucking serial experiments lane crazy computer system that they're hooked up to and it's fucked up and you need to like flatter them to and be like oh you're you're an extremely attractive uh collection of butthole wires and fiber optics and pneumatic tubes uh please could you bless us with information on how to get to the wizard flea market and i feel that the spider was ahead of, ahead of its time honestly really. in a way yeah that style of doing things at the time it was quite limiting for its um connection to the uh merchant but and it still is to an extent because of like human sort of archetypes in human and culture and um minds sort of goes a little like it sort of lags behind like what's actually happening in the economy but i think now with the zeitgeist like this sort of like let's just short trade all day um connected to a million things i mean the problem is it's now it's too common almost it's too normalized i've often thought about in speculative there's like a separate avatar for the merchant because the merchant has more of like a interpersonal connotation of like you know you're negotiating with like a guy but i could very easily see a avatar of the broker that's its own thing Mm. yep yep that's about dealing with very it's about making like trades but much more far removed from any interpersonal component and very it's still rooted in money, but increasingly far removed abstractions of money. It still needs to be some yeah. sort of financial asset. It can't be as abstract as the negotiations with the merchant. But money, money can be a lot of things these days. I mean, fucking, Definitely. fucking, um, stock companies own entire apartment blocks these days. Trading firms deal in basically any sort of asset if it's advantageous to them these days. I think the broker might be like an old, like it's not necessarily a new avatar because I could see it emerging out of like, say, real estate. And there's a lot of. Oh, it goes back before um, before that even. Like, fucking. Yeah, definitely. uh, Like. Well, real estate goes down a long way. You know, I'm thinking fucking East India Company ship trade speculators, right? Which was a huge thing. Yep. Yep. So, but, you know, the sort of modern image of that speculator is very Gordon Gecko-esque. You know, much more stock uh, Wall Street guy. Gordon Gecko is probably a bit out of date, but it's it's still kind of rooted in that idea, I think. I think it's, so like, the difference between a broker and a merchant as an avatar is a broker, a high-powered broker can't buy things from you, but he can, like, sell it, to, like, he, can re- he can't keep what he buys. He I think the main characteristic of the broker is about circumventing the human element of trade as much as possible. And it's sort of about rendering value to its most fundamental level. So maybe it's about, maybe it's about like trading value itself, like trading energy and shit or whatever you think the basis of value is in your given preferred uh, economic theory. You can go to the merchant and you can, uh, you can sell, you could like try to trade your cancer for something or your trauma for something, or you can go to the broker and he can reduce it to its value. He can just turn, he can convert your cancer into cash. 
one of their low-level channels is like finding out exactly how much your life is worth in U.S. dollars or their preferred currency. That's great. I like the idea of um, walking around the swap meet and seeing a sign that says trauma for cash. Perfect. And I'm also a fan of it because when you decide to follow that avatar path, you start with, I am going to become the broker. I'm the broker, baby. Oh, my God. (laughs) 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 Guy, fucking... Broker avatar in a white face paint in a purple suit. Do you know how I got these shares? <laughs> nice. Uh, it makes me sad that you you can't really channel two avatar paths at once. So channeling the fucking trickster and the broker at the same time. It, it's, it's sort of in between. It's one of those avatars where I think a lot of modern avatars are a bit like that. What's why it's difficult when we're getting up with that now the invisible clergy is getting a bit full up is there's a lot which are a bit tenuous because they're sort of in between us. A path, if you act a little bit wrong, you end up like being more like a trickster than a broker if you're too dodgy. So, or more like a merchant than a broker. I don't know. It, it, I think it, this culture gets more established and complex. Like, sure, the clergy gets more filled up, but there's also more turnover in those new ascensions. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, you have, when you have such a granular concept in the status sphere, then it's, especially something as coached in a given period's technology is like stock trading. Um, then when that technology changes, there's going to be someone else in a sense within a couple decades. Maybe that's maybe that's how the uh, the cosmic reset happens. It's just a it's just a product of a future shock. Like <laughs> sure. eventually, it just gets too complex. You're like, fuck this, we flush. Yeah, uh, we start again. Yep. We could tie that into the Gnosticism, saying, oh, there's something emergent <laughs> sure. coming now. We better shut this shit down. They're they're about to build God. Let's 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 reset. Uh, yeah, I, I, like. The the rise of AI is one of the classic warning signs of uh oh fuck, okay, we need to we need to do some we we need to start a new universe soon. This is just getting too much of a hassle to deal with. It, it's like there's a whole lot of institutional continuity between universes, considering invisible clergy becomes the fabric of the next universe. It's not like they can tell the guy the people that come after them, all right, you know, here's some things you should probably look out for. Next time is by the by. I like I, I like us the idea of a scenario where like there's a desperate struggle to make sure that the last ascending a, um, archetype is not the AI, and because uh, it'll sure. fuck up the next universe, and then they fail, and the AI ascends as the last archetype, and the universe resets. And they're like, oh no, the robots will be controlling the world, and the next universe is just a bunch of cave robots. Like, oh. <laughs> We have to go through it. Oh. A bunch of calculators uh, scrolling on cave walls. Nice. What is the measure of man and all that? So you can get really weird with merch. You can get really weird with avatars the same way you can with add-ups. And you definitely should. Because, again, weird this shit's fun. It's one of the reasons you run and play this game. But the other thing is, even if the scenario kind of leaves some stuff to be desired, I think one of the reasons swap meat has kind of stuck around as long as it has... Is because it's just a very evocative idea, and it's such an evocative idea that I think you can, I think you can ex- sort of extend it to really a lot of different avatars. I think that's true because I have some uh, notes about things that I've seen or heard of. All right. The thing is, as we've mentioned before, like the swap meet is not it, it's it's organized by avatars of the merchant, but yeah, you'll get others that are related, like the broker or the usurer, similar. 
avatars that can sort mm-hmm. of like go to a swap meet and to have a purpose to be there. Sure. And sure. just your ordinary sort of underground people. Um, there's others that sort of have a bit of oh, uh, okay, but it's got overlap. Imagine like the fucking Wall Street floor, but only for broker avatars. Oh, that's pretty good. That just becomes the the, the Warriors tournament after a while. <laughs> pretty uh, much. Just like killing each other. Well, no, I think it basically becomes a cargo cult where they're all, like, gathered around a single Bloomberg terminal, chanting, buy, sell, in unison. That's the sound of the universe being reborn. Sell, 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 as the universe collapses. And, like, you know, you you show up to, like, this one room of, like, 20 guys in extremely sweaty, uh, sweaty suits and um, fucking uh, trading firm vests gathered around the glow of this one Bloomberg terminal, and you see that the majority of their chants, like, actually correlate with the green ups and the red downs of the Dow Jones. This is it, my friends. This is the market. You found them. Here's a campaign. It, it's another um, Anonami's Nobilis crossover. Right. Um, it's have enough it's the excrutians have come to destroy the, uh, to destroy existence, but they're not destroying it; they're buying it. Sure, they're like, sure. We would like to buy all of this shit. We will sell you things. Like, please give me th- like we want to buy the concept of love. We want to buy the concept of a dog and. That, that's an interesting sort of trading game. We're like, we have to make sure that they don't just buy us out. They're doing a hostile takeover. They're doing a hostile takeover of the universe. To. Yes. Sure. All right. I can, I can get behind that. Um, but yeah, like you can, you, you can do this whole sort of avatar get together idea with a lot of different fucking avatars. You brought up the Warriors tournament, and I think that's a fun one because, like, all right, sort of the, the warrior is very coached in your classic hero's journey tropes. Oh, yeah. And something you'll see in a lot of those, in a lot of fiction that follows that sort of pattern. Um, especially stuff descended from, like, the classic, uh, Wuxia fantasy that started in the 70s, you know? Oh, the yeah. Condor series and whatnot is like, okay, you have the hero's journey, and then there's the tournament arc, right? And, you know, this became mm. big in martial arts movies and anime and shit, right? And now, the the fun the fun thing here is like all right you have this tournament behind with a bunch of warriors and each of these warriors has their own fleshed out hero's journey that they're participating mm. in and now you have like mm. fucking 32 of these up against each other of like all right whose hero's journey is the most hero's journeyist the hero's journey uh yeah so, like, you know, part of it is, like, pitched combat, but part of it is, like, they're fighting with each other to have the most, like, dramatic character arc moments. Mmm, yes, okay. So it's less about battles. Well, it is about battles, but also... It's about it's the about struggle. About it's about winning. the character struggle. The struggle. So you might have a tournament where, like, the two people are... The two, the two warriors yeah. are both fighting... And but the problem is that they have to fight and they have to try to win, but the winner is the one who is beaten in the most because they're both at that stage in their yeah. journey where yeah. like like Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they they're trying they they have to fight to win, but the winner is the one who loses the most yeah. dramatically. Yeah. That's 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 that'll be that's fun to watch. Yeah. Fun to watch those 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 matches. So it, it, it's it's kind of a dynamic of like people 
like throwing soccer matches, but they're extremely good yep. at throwing soccer matches in very dramatic and fun ways. They can't be obvious. No, they can't they be have obvious. To try to win. Yes. They, yeah. yeah. Well, they have so. to be. They have to look like they're trying to win. Yeah. So, in, so you have a bit of that professional avatars. wrestling better. dynamic in there too. But you know, there's actual fucking yeah. swords and shit. Yes, it's it's definitely got. It has to have the professional wrestling tone, I yeah. think, to it. Yeah. Um, for Ananami's the yeah, and then with the hero's journey aspect of it, you can just like have the whole like um, characters. You you could just take from Glee the whole like it's just <laughs> sure. a soap opera. Sure, not Glee. Um, not Glee. Glee uh, what's the one with the about the female um, wrestling team? Oh, um, glitter. Glow. Glow, that's it. Glow. No, Glee's about a fucking Glee club. High yeah, I know Glee. Glee. I, just, I just, yeah, I know. It just simple, sounds similar. Um, All right. No, that makes more sense. Though. Okay, Glee, sure. I haven't thought about that in like six years. Um, now, I have some, uh, a little bit of a list, a short list. Sure, sure. You might know some other ones. Right. Um, I, I do have a couple others. They have names. yours first. There is a, like, they have similar names. Like, the swap meets a simple name, but it's like capitalized. Yeah. Right, and as you'd expect for these sort of things, yeah, these what um, there, there is uh, some people call it the gallery. Some people call it the showing. All right, um, and this is where high-powered artists converge, but also high-powered patrons slash muses converge. Makes sense. Makes sense. And it's a, a lot about um, the artist finding their patron muse because these are. Um, Avatars that are codependent, not necessarily codependent, but uh, not necessarily the bad way either, um, but they uh, integrate well. And the gallery is a good place to, if you're looking for a patron or a muse, and you're a, a capital A avatar artist, or just at an ordinary artist who like wants a, a high-powered, cosmically em, uh, empowered um, patron slash muse, it's, a, it's the place to go. See, that's kind of interesting to me because of like most of the ch- avatar channels for the artist are less about the creation of works and more about sort of the effect your works have on people and cultivating a fan base. Um, that's right. So I'd imagine the gallery for that is, you know, mostly artists are going to be interested in that. It's not going to be like the swap meet where you have like a bunch of other people showed up. Now, there's probably, you know, it's still going to be good art, so you're still going to have some people interested. But the dynamic there that's interesting to me is that you're all sort of competing to eat with each other to mm-hmm. gather a fan base and present art that emotionally resonates with the crowd. But the pool that you're gathering a fan base from is largely also the pool you're competing with. Yes. It gets real nasty in there at times. Real nasty. Well, you know, you have a bunch of people seething of like it's so fucking beautiful god fucking damn him there's uh there's been there's some sabotage going on in there i can't stop crying because of the beauty of this and how fucking frustrating it is that this asshole has made something so great so it's 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 like this giant fucking ball of twine of artist egos and envy running into each other i i know that sometimes people go a bit crazy and um, some of the galleries, some of the galleries of the showings end with like a someone um, sabotaging everyone else with a yeah, whole Thomas yeah. Ligotti, Teatro Grotesco sort of like sure, from of Hell's course. Heart. I stab it. Yeah, you, but the thing is, that after that, the art. second time that it happened, it kind of got overplayed. And you know, it's, yeah, it's, exactly. You know, just oh, it's not novel. Fucking really anti-natalism. 
That, that's so fucking 2009. That's right. It's like when you do... It's like Piss Jesus is only art the first time. It only time. works once. Uh, that's it. And after that, it's just... Dude, stop bringing your weird king shit to the gallery. That's right. Dare you enter my realm of wonders, whatever it is. Yeah, my magical realm. That's magical realm. Well, and it. it's important that the sequel comic of that has it turning into an extremely emotionally affecting and excellent campaign where... The player characters tearfully cry over the dying wizard as he goes on to the next lo- That's the right. next life. I, I I also read that one. That's a better comic. And then there's a lesson there, which is, you know, you can still make beautiful and emotionally resonant art and stuff it full of your blatant kinks. There's nothing stopping you. You just need to be you can. You uh, can. good at... You need to be skilled at your given medium. You can... No one... Well, if, Tar- if Quentin Tarantino can get away with writing Salma Hayek's foot into his mouth, you can get away with it. And From Dust Till Dawn is still a great movie. Arguably, wouldn't it be somewhat of a lesser movie if it didn't have Salma Hayek sticking her foot into Quentin Tarantino's mouth? Uh, the, the answer is get good. <laughs> um, I think to Gene Wolfe and, and how his, in his fantasy duology The Wizard Knight, there is a whole page dedicated to how sex between a giant-sized man and a human-sized woman works. And it's described in detail for, like, two pages. Exactly. It could also go wrong, like J.K. Rowling, Rowling hiding anti-Semitism in her works for 20 years. Okay, I don't anyway. think anti-Semitism... I mean, <laughs> I don't think Rowling is an anti-Semite. She has other issues going on. She's just not very critical, very good at critically thinking of the implications of her own work. I also don't think she has an yes. anti-Semitism kink. No. That's what a kink. What a kink. Oh, that's a hard I, kink. I, that's, that's, I'm, you know, it's a subsection of race play, right? I'm sure there's Jews yeah. that are into race play. Yes, there's people into everything. Um, as you'd find out if you went to the showing or the gallery. Um, yes. There's a lot of that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, uh, performance yeah. art counts. You'd be surprised by how many prominent furry artists show up to those. Get these private churches out of here. Hey, there's no reason that artists can't be a privateurge. No, I guess absolutely they can. But um, you got to channel if, all if that orgone entire- somewhere. And Wilhelm Reich, Wilhelm Reich himself said that one of the most productive ways to spend orgone instead of spilling it in self pleasure was on artistic pursuits. So there you go. Okay, that's that is a solid counter argument. Now we also got so the gallery the showing is it 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 works in a similar way to the swap mate. You can fit into a campaign the same way. It's just if you have um, some players interested, that sort of thing. You can find things at the gallery. It's a bit more abstract. Like you can, like if people go there if they're not wanting to show off their art or find a patron, they might go there to get inspired or something like that. Um, it's a bit more airy, fair, and abstract, but still reasons for player characters to want to go there. Also, it's like the most medium neutral that a gallery can possibly be. So, like you, you know, you you have like. You have sculptures and paintings and whatnot, but you also have installation art, you have performance art, you have movies, you can have yeah. like, video games, you can have all sorts of weird medium genre blending shit. Um, I wonder if like, readings some, from some books. hackers go there. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Or they have their own thing. It's like, what's that called when they have the um, that, that subculture of like people doing crazy things with computers um, to show that they can? Oh, uh, fuck you. Yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. Um, demo scene, yeah. So like a hacker demo, demo scene, scene thing? Yeah. yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Or like a sort of a makerspace sort of deal. 
Yep. Or like Maker Fair, I suppose would be more appropriate. Which is an event that happens like every year. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's very similar to like a sort of an artist, um, event. You just have like all these hackers, engineers and shit that have put things together and, um, are displaying it. Like I remember, uh, when I went there, one of like the classic, um, installations they have there every year is a life-sized version of the mousetrap, um, Rube Goldberg machine. Ooh. And it ends with like Ooh. a safe being dropped on a car. Nice. Or on your player character. Or on your player character. Absolutely. Who is also that car. It's complicated. The interesting thing about the Maker Fair as a place where high-powered hackers hang out is you also get high-powered mechanomancers, um, which makes it a little bit different from some of these other more Avatar-heavy events. Yeah. There's definitely some cross-pollination, but like the thing is that like a lot of these events are kind of there. They're fundamentally there for like avatars to boost their avatar score they're there to show off yes. and you know ideally especially once you get to the high levels show off in a way that makes other high level avatars look less impressive and you know elbow at potential god walking competitors well that brings us to the um some people call it the symposium other people call it the conference uh where a whole bunch of high-powered chroniclers and a few explorers hang out it's basically like an academic conference where there's speakers um on different topics they happen a bit more often they're less popular than the swap meet or the showing uh because it can get real dry but if you want some really uh specific information Sometimes it's the best place to go. I mean, if we're going with the Chroniclers, or especially, like, the fucking uh, Heisenberg Messenger, I'd imagine it'd be a lot like a political party's national convention, right? Except it's like, imagine a national convention from the journalist perspective, but there's not any mm. actual politicians there. <laughs> just journalists. It's, it's just like journalists. journalists. Yeah, there's a bit of that. Um it's a bit of a crossover between the academic types and the more journalistic types. At these well, you said places. this is for chroniclers, and, which is more academic as opposed to like messengers yeah. slash again, especially the Heisenberg messenger, which is more yeah. sensationalist journalism. Chroniclers are about gathering information, whereas messengers yes, in their various yes. forms are about distributing it. If you want to hear about um, Garden View, you can go to the <laughs> symposium sure. for chroniclers. Speaking of political rallies, um, there is the rally or the soapbox. Demagogues, right. firebrands, sure. uh, rubbing sure, shoulders sure. as they compete with each other. There is a surprisingly large number of people in the occult underground. A lot of, a lot of ponies who need direction, and they're often like, "Well, you can go to the soapbox and find some direction." <laughs> Would you like to buy an ideology? Especially these days with these zoomers, who like they go from one political ideology to the next they spend their nights watching j-rig videos they don't know what's going on and they go to the rally zoomers is being as impressionable these days you know like look at recent j-rig videos you know where he's like all right i kind of don't want to meme about ideology all fucking day he kind of stopped that like two two fucking years ago at this point but i get what you mean he still does um I'm not shitting on the Zoomers too much, but it is difficult these days. Many people, older people also, find themselves cut adrift. It's common um, for middle-aged people to start questioning their whole life and 
it's when you have um, it's never someone been the underground who's like it's never been easier to get radicalized. That's it, and that's an issue for the soapbox actually because a lot of stuff is happening. They have to compete with, it, but the firebrands fucking love it. It's hard to build up your power. You can actually. It's it, it's a bit of a. It's a it's a sore topic. It's yeah. it's a, a bit of a controversy because some I've heard from some demagogues and firebrands that you really need to have the rally. You need to have the people sure, to do sure. the whole thing. Yeah, there's there's a step removed and it starts to get muddied when you're online because as an avatar you're competing with uh, Russian bot farms that are doing the same thing as you but for very different reasons. Um, a bot farm cannot become an avatar yet, so it's a fun it's a fun time. They have to have some pretty strict rules on behavior inside because it is very much a, uh, again, to bring up JREG, it's very much every extreme is on the same team vibe. That That's what makes it fun. What are some other gatherings of avatars that you have in mind? Well, there's the, uh, there's the Flying Woman meeting, uh, ah, which yes. has gone through some variations um, over the years. You mean Mitchfest, right? No, that, Mitch that, 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 why is it called Mitch <laughs> that, that was a joke. Um, um, Mitch Fest was a woman with a Y only music festival that um, fell apart a few years ah. back because, unsurprisingly, people that ideology uh, couldn't really agree on a trans woman and uh, whether or not to allow them into the event. That's my what I've heard as well from about the flying woman convention because it's a high level flying women but there's different i know there's different groups and there's now, no reason a trans woman can't the, channel flying women that's it that's it but that's the problem is some high-powered flying women take askance at that um there is um t- there's a, a situation of turfs in the stratosphere um trying to fly as high as they can to become the most of the, the most the most woman of women most just flying woman the most of women flying of women, flying which, women? Which is it's it's one of those things where if you go too high and run out of oxygen, you become the falling woman. Oh, so it's just too, it's kind of high, a it's, the floating woman. It's kind of a game of chicken, sort of. Yes, where yes. they're just trying to go as high as they can. All right, sure. I mean, what is the exosphere if not another glass ceiling? Exactly, exactly. But because of the culture wars now, which has affected, uh, especially the flying woman specifically, or uh, the current manifestation of the culture war. Let's be real: the culture war is always happening. Basically, been happening since at least the French Revolution. Yes, that is true. But the the current manifestation has made has meant that the um, I don't even know what it's called. What's a good name for the the um, the climb, the, the fly, I like the breaking the of ceiling. the ceiling, breaking of the ceiling. It's a bit wordy, but I like it. We can fly directly to the invisible clergy, held every year in the exosphere, geographically above the place that Amelia Earhart's uh, last transmission came, or her, or alternatively, where she was found. Which apparently she was found, and it wasn't in the news, which was crazy. Um, I was trying to come up with an idea for the king. Are you familiar with the world game? No. What is the world game? Are you familiar with Buckminster Fuller? Yes, isn't the sci-fi science fiction writer? No, he he was a futurist, but he wasn't a science fiction writer. Uh, and okay. he also um, he was most like an architect and like kind of a broad theorist. Architect and futurist. He's most well known for like popular for like really coming up with the idea of the geodesic dome as like an efficient means of housing. Um, and he made a board game, a giant fucking board game called World Game. Uh, he can't, he made this giant board game that was like 
not like quite a war game, war game, but like some, like a big diplomacy s board game, right? And you had all these like titans of industry playing the board game together and spending hours and hours each day playing the board game. Uh, to the point where, like, it was distracting them from running their businesses. And it was, like, task of, like, how, that, how do you create that could world be peace the plan. and shit, right? Distract them all. Get them all playing that. You just, you just need to get... that. That's a good... If you're running, like, a, a 1960s game or a Cold War era game, like, the plan is, okay, the objective is to make sure that the leaders of the US, China, and the Soviet Union are too busy playing the world game, the world game to um, destroy the world. Do you have any other particular ideas? I remember um, hearing some rumors that the serial killer convention from Sandman was based off a real event oh, yeah. of a bunch of um, Darkstalkers that Neil Gaiman wanted Dark into. Darkstalkers, yeah. Well, there's a few. Like, there is a few that don't necessarily have a fancy name or, like, that aren't as um, distinct um, as, like, say, the showing or the swap meet. Because I mean, Serial Con's been going on for decades at this point and has a long and storied history. Do you know it's sponsored by Kellogg's? In a, a, a mixed message, but yeah, it's sponsored by Kellogg's. I mean, they have taken a firm anti-masturbation stand as a con organization, so that's not too surprising for me. Which is why there's two serial killer conventions for the Dark Stalker, depending on your predilection. The pro and the anti-drinking-off serial killer conventions. Oh, God, the sex-positive serial killer convention. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus. I mean, that could either be better or worse. No, they're equally bad in different ways. I mean, if they're sex-positive, that implies to me that they're, like, at least in terms of sex, care more about consent. Yes, Perhaps, yes. Whereas, I guess the sex negative one is more of the classic slasher, like, if you have sex, you die, sort of, um, trope. Let's move to a different topic before this, we, we end up, <laughs> before we end up developing this, developing this too further and it gets real fucking dark. <laughs> is this, is this Selma Hayek put in my mouth? No, it's my own. <laughs> and I put mine in there too, for good measure, just in case. Why'd you put your, God damn it. <laughs> anyway. I'd imagine how these events sort of manifest varies depending on sort of how inherently competitive versus collaborative the um, given avatar is. Like, the merchant's interesting because, you know, wheeling and dealing and sort of implies and entails this constant adaptive shifting between competition and collaboration. But, you know, the warrior definitely skews more competitive. Where something like the guide, where I'd imagine it's sort of like a teaching convention where a bunch of guides get together for and try to figure out this year's guide pedagogy. Sure. That's what happens when you go to the um the peacemakers convention. Yeah. It it's it's very twee. Yes. It's a nice place. It's it's very quiet. And they, they, you know, there's still that competition simmering under the surface. It, it, it's but yes. it's, it's like academic it's like a honestly less intense version of like academics jockeying for influence it's much more indirect they manage it but it's hard to have um academic rivalries when everyone around you is trying to like um get you guys to bury the hatchet and working on it it's real complex and it's very subtle it's a bit much for me but you know say it you will it's not as bad as the competitions you see at the serial killer convention yeah that's true. Uh, no one's ever been to the Unsung Champions convention. I've heard it's out there somewhere. <laughs> Just don't, they don't advertise. And it's also not uncommon for various avatars to kind of piggyback off of broader um, events that are open to, uh, you know, normies and whatnot uh, to compete. Like, it's 
you'll see a lot of charioteers competing in the cannonball run. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's also lesser-known cross-country charioteer races as well. Uh-huh. I've heard they're often international, so you'll like, go from the tip of one continent to the tip of another. And they're all... They're there. They, they can... I've also heard they can sometimes be, like, triathlon-esque, where, you know, you'll start in a car and then go to a boat and then go to a plane. That's always fun. That's 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 all your milestones. That's all set up quite nicely for you. I've heard about some um, basketball games and other sport games where uh, powerful MVPs yeah. uh, compete. I mean, and what I've heard with that one is it's enough. like you know you have teams of them. Well, no, it's like one on one, and it's like this crazy mix of like soccer and basketball. It can't be one on one for that. You have to be the most valuable player. Yeah. So, well, no, that's why it has to be one on one, right? Yeah, you can't have teams. No, it can't be one-on-one. You have to have teams to be the most valuable player. But who's the most valuable player among a team of most valuable players? They're not. It's one most valuable player in the team against another team with the most valuable player. All right, and then the 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 rest rest are just fodder? Yes, the rest are fodder. Yeah, you have to be the most valuable player of your team or maybe it's competitive like it's it's a double layer thing where you're like playing this sport but you're also competing to be the most valuable player among other most valuable players within the same team that's interesting yeah that's interesting so it's one team full of most so it's like a like fractalized versus, competition that's insane so like the points don't matter really they kind of do or they don't yeah. like your team wants to win but you have to win the best in your team yeah. all right other ones i heard about um i heard that once every few years, all the naked goss avatars get together for a big old orgy. Everyone's invited but you. Everyone. <laughs> yes. The problem with the naked goddess, uh, the orgy is, you gotta, like, a, a bunch of pornomancers want to go. That's it. It's, it's the pornomancers, they're desperate to get there, but the naked goddess avatars don't want to tell them because they don't want it flooded with fucking pornomancers. Um, because they, they have a different, they're adept, you know, this is an avatar event. They're not trying to charge. Yeah. They're, they're it's going come, through the motions yeah. of, but they're, they're doing what pornomancers do. Um, usually, and what no, naked goddess archetypes don't and avatars don't usually do, but this is to honor the naked goddess, and it's not about charging. I mean, the naked goddess is more about sort of that distance, so it's probably less an orgy, more like some big fancy party where everyone is trying to get laid, but nobody fucks because getting laid is sort of the fail state. From what I hear, it it's mostly just like that. It's just brunch, really. Um, but it, <laughs> all the ladies it, it, get together for brunch and yeah, God. but they 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 let they let it know let it be known that it's happening and the portomancers and other people um, assume it's it's a big orgy for naked goddess, but no, they're just having brunch. Yeah. And they go yeah. watch a movie or something like it's very normal. But <laughs> girls, it's, it's, it's got and, the layer and, of mystery. And and what this one, the event of this is the girls' night. It's girls' night. Yes, it definitely pisses off the more turfy portomancers because. Um, it's I think ideological thing. They're just like, finally, a chance to get extra charges and whatnot. And it's like, no, well, I, we, it's we, we just want to do our own thing. We don't really, uh, we aren't really interested in hanging out with you guys today. No, it's because it's called Girls' Night, but um, Merla and other trans avatars of the Naked Goddess. Those, those are still girls. Those are still girls. Yes, that's, that's, that's what I mean. That's why it pisses oh, off sure. the turfy pornomancers, right. because right. they're not invited. Um, I, the doubt the any, perf- I, I doubt there's many turfy I doubt there's many turfy pornomancers of anything. It's implied pretty heavily in uh, book two. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, she more struck me struck me as someone that started out as a turf, but then became more open minded. 
Um, I, you know, fundamentally, porn is an for as an industry for all its issues is has been a lot historically a lot more open minded about trans women than a lot of indi- other industries. That's they, a, yeah, they, that's you know, it's complicated. It's complicated. Like, yeah, fetishization is still there, but they they are employing them in a sense. I know. I, I'm not sure what like Bailey J's opinions on participating in the porn industry are and whatnot. I mean, or Buck Angel though. Buck Angel is one of those <laughs> rare specimens yes. of a trans turf. Well, well I'm not sure is, I call him a turf. But, uh, uh, it's it's when you go Angel. so far into trans medicalism that it starts getting very turfy. Oh, it's because he like sort of like his mindset sort of got set. Back in the nineties and two thousands, of like, yeah, like it, it like they, it's one of those things where the culture moves on and it starts to attack your, or it starts to feel like it's attacking your own identity. In a well, way. that's kind of where tr- the trans medicalism, the whole that whole argument there, is very much about that in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's a, that's the issue a lot of the time is when we have these big fights. The culture war stuff is like the more conservative side or the reactionary side. They're reacting like that because something about it is affecting how they think about themselves or like what they've. I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's a protective thing. The protective. Well, yeah, it's the sort of the thing identity. of like okay, um, the identities that people construct for themselves and cling to are as are largely a result of like various material conditions that they exist within. And when the material conditions change in such a way that that particular identity construction is no longer really viable, um, then there's a lot of, you know, that can really sting. And, you know, that's that's probably going to happen with the modern conception of uh, transness, too. You know, the modern conception of transness is something that's only really existed for, like, 20 years tops. But, you know, gender nonconformity is a constant throughout human history. But the conceptualization of that gender nonconformity changes wildly depending on era and depending on location and culture even. I would like uh, having the objective of a campaign be um, Girls' Night is happening and you're in charge. None of you are naked goddesses and none of you are invited. But you're in charge of sort of you're hosting it. You're hosting sure. Girls Night. You have um, to host a, you have to host keep a party for all these naked goddesses. Of- right. Yes, yes. That strikes me more as a one yeah, shot than not- an objective, but sure. Yeah, true, true. I'm thinking of like a one shot, like yeah, yeah. or something happening in a campaign. Have to keep the uh, the uh, the rabble out. Um, yeah, not yeah. Naked goddess, uh, and they have to not know where it is even because they're not invited. I mean, part of it too is. Part of what you're tasked with is maintaining the mystique. It's not they they it's not that they can't even attend. They can't even see it. Nobody can know that it's just brunch. Yes. Yes. And that's the thing like in in girls night or in brunch they can they because it's there in It's a called girls night but it's a, it's a it's a whole day event. Yeah. And it's the one time that they can sort of take like let the mask off because they're yeah. all around each other. They're all making yeah. goddesses. It's not going to affect their their um, avatar scores so it's the one time they can fart and like it, 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 <laughs> it's, right. you know pick sure. their nose um and just like eat with their hands or like you know normal human things oh uh, yeah, like, yeah. so like it, it's it's the one chance where they can just fucking go wild 
All right. Yeah, exactly. It's not necessarily like, and the mystique is in a totally non-sexual way. It's just them being gross people, being gross human beings, like everyone else. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but and you, but you can't. You have to like maintain the. Uh, you have to have. You have to keep the mystique around that, so that they don't um, lose. Their, they'll know if you fucked up because they'll start losing ranks because like a pornomancer slips in and observes this, and the mystique is gone, and they're like, "Oh shit! I can feel my connection to the Anusal Kurgi is getting weaker," and it, it it all splits up immediately. Yeah, um, yeah. And they and they all zoom away. They all just like go through a door and disappear because that's yeah. what Naked Goddess can do. Yeah. Um, and you want to avoid that as much as possible. Scatter. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Scatter. Scatter, girls! Perfect. That's fun. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there, there's a lot you can do using the sort of swap meet concept as a foundation. Uh, and I don't think it yeah. takes... You know, a lot of these ideas are just kind of coming up with off the cuff. If you want to do it for an avatar, it, it's not too hard, I think, to come up with these for avatars. If there's an avatar you particularly like, it's like, all right, what would happen if you got a bunch of these guys in one place and they were low-key competing with each other? Or high key, maybe, depending on the avatar. Yeah, and that's a bit advantage of avatars and how they interact with each other. Because at the high levels, they're very much competing. But you're only really super competing if you want that Godwalker spot. And if they, they all, like, well, not all, but like a lot kind of do. But like, there's plenty of avatars which are like, you know, I'm at 91%. I'm like, I've got my last channel. I don't need, I don't need the headache or the potential death of competing with the Ooh, avatar but you get the, that uh, custom Walker. channel at 99 though that's true though but it's uh, and there's plenty of people that will risk death to get that custom channel but there's plenty of people who are who are get are satisfied with where they are um which means that avatars who are about that level or similar level to each other aren't necessarily going to start killing each other while adepts, they don't like each other as much. They can get on sometimes, depending on the situation. No, but kind of what stops the adepts a bit is, you know, they're limited by their charges, right? When everyone involved is running out of charges, it's like, all right, shit, I'm defenseless. My gun is out of ammo. It's not just that. It's also that each adept has their own individual way of thinking about how their path of magic works. And sure, but I think that also applies to avatars. We, we see that doesn't, pretty doesn't handily. Matter as much. No, I don't think so at all, because when an avatar, you have to, like, it doesn't matter what's in your head. Okay, you can't tell me that the spider and the fucking um, Traders Council think about uh, things the same way that your average merchant on the corner does. No, I don't think so. Yeah, you're right. And they're examples of more weird avatars, but... Being an avatar is about the acts that you play, while being an adept is about how you think. And that makes a big difference. That's fair. Because if you if you're an avatar and you see someone like a merchant doing things a different way, you're you're more likely to shrug it off and go, "Well, that's weird," but that's his way of doing it. While if you're an adept and you see someone of your school doing it a different way, you're like, "No, he's they're doing it wrong. wrong. How they, can't they see how wrong they fucking are? Ah, I should kill them." And that is not always like that. There are. Um, groups of uh, adepts that cooperate especially um, Chicago Banamancers and things like that but there's a reason it's rarer and there's a reason there's not as many adept conventions and the ones that exist like like the ones who the the Macadamancers can go to the makers convention with the hackers but they're not running it they're not in charge because they'll fuck it up they'll start fighting 
And, and they, they don't, don't, they, they don't have the long-term other. memory to run a big event like that. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I, I've been to Naked Goddess Con. It's kind of sad. Because Naked Goddess Con is run by Pornomancers. It's yes. not where Naked Goddess uh, goes. Because it's where, they cos- it's where they cosplay as the Naked Goddess. Well, no. It, it, it's like any sort of yearly cult retreat, really. But it's like that mixed with like... The AVA, the, like the Adult Video Awards, I think is what it is. The Adult Video Awards? Sorry, the AVNs. Ah, okay. It's run in Vegas every year. Yeah, it's, oh, Adult Video News is what it stands for, yeah. So it's like, it's like a cross between like your average New Agey cult retreat mixed with the AVNs. And, you know, mm. it's it's just kind of sad. Yeah. It's all the trappings of porn with even less of the fun. Everyone's literally going through the motions. That's Pornomancer for you. But hey, there's a good chance to charge. It is. They do have though. They do set up the. They do recreate the environments quite well. Yeah, they 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 can have more fidelity with the sets and what. Well, you don't want too much fidelity because it's from videotape. In well, fact, what I mean by fidelity, fidelity is like closer to the originals. Yes. Okay. Uh, like I've I've heard they even make the air grainier. I know some of the sets in though that new Sun adaptation that she was in were actually pretty impressive. Fuck, I hate Winnipeg Airport. Especially since we have so much stuff. I can't believe they said it there, like, twice. I thought they weren't supposed to do that. It was a slightly uh, different uh, small resort town. They've decided that they want to kind of settle down for at least a little bit. You know, just kind of keep the swap meets in the same relative location. I I, I kind of get... Like, not even bothering with keeping it secret anymore, since, you know, news spreads a lot faster than it did in the late 90s. Uh, the swap meet gets 
bigger and bigger every time they fucking run it, dude. It's more like a con now. Yes, it's it's becoming like Comic Con, and you know, doesn't help that the people that run it are all like merchants, so like there's not a whole lot of generational turnover since they can just continue buying youths from various clients. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mean youth, not youths. Okay, no, no, I, no. I, 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 I mean, <laughs> I've heard, I've heard some rumors, but I mean, like, youth as in, you know, virility and, uh, like sprightliness and energy and uh, not having wrinkles, all that shit. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, there, there's many way, there's many avenues towards getting that. Uh, adrenochrome being one of many. The Adrenochrome now is really watered down. Well, that's why you gotta get shit from the Solar Storm. So that, that's why you need to buy your own children. But yeah, and you make sure that you don't. You have to, like, stick you know, it, away from it, the baby food, which has preservatives in it, like, because it affects the Adrenochrome. Sure, probably. sure. But you know, it's like buying your. Own. Well, that's that's why you buy children from overseas and uh, parts of the world that have you know less uh, microplastics in the water and whatnot. Do you think they'll let me bring this kielbasa on the plane? I mean, where are you keeping it? What do you think? Where do you keep your kielbasa? Uh, in the cooler that I include in my checked baggage. I'm not, I'm not sure what the policies on imports of salted meats between Canada and whatever fucking country the portal to our studio is at. Oh, shit. Wait a minute. I forgot all about that. Do you think they'll let me bring through this magic Kinder Surprise egg? I mean, again, where you where you keep it? It's with the kielbasa. Oh. No, I keep it together. Sure. Yeah, sure. And the, the nice thing about, like, especially if you don't worry about the chocolate, you just worry about the compartment, those, those things are, like, really... Those things are perfectly butthole-sized. I'm kind of worried about, like, all these swords that I got. Oh, yeah? Why'd you get so many swords? It's just, like, anytime I go to a flea market or bazaar... I like picking up swords. Like, the, the, I'm pretty sure these are not magic swords. I just, I like having flea market. I, I like having stall swords. It, it, it's like a nice little bit of folk art, you know? And every country's stall swords are different, too. And you might think, oh, sure, surely the stall swords of uh, Winnipeg couldn't be that different from, you know, New York State, but that's where you're wrong. There are subtle differences there. Um, that uh, a true connoisseur of. Mall Ninja equipment can spot for a mile away. Uh, I think you got a good, pretty good haul. I do like oh, it, yes. but like this one with the black blade, like every time I pick it up, it whispers in my ear. So uh, I do, 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 just it. ignore it. That's all I do. Fair enough. It, you know, it, it, they're they're putting the fucking they're putting putting Alexa to fucking everything these says. Well, I got this. I'm never gonna run out anymore uh, with this never-ending mug of white male tears. Oh, no, ooh, that's a that's a, a nice 2012 vintage. That's right. It, it tastes pretty good. Uh, just salty enough. Um, are, are you sh- so like what where what emphasis what in that in that phrase where's the emphasis of the white part? Is it white male tears or white male tears? It's <laughs> pretty clear. All right. Well, I mean, hey, you know. Sperm counts aren't what they used to be, you know? That's true. Well, either or, it's um, yeah. a refreshing beverage. Sure, sure. Uh, the, the, you'd be surprised by the amount of uh, overlap there is between participants in the cult underground and um, Jezebel riders. 
Especially circa early 2010s. The story that got the, the storekeeper told me mm -hmm. was that uh, the reason it's cheap is if you knock it over, um, there's flooding problems. Uh, yeah, sure. Makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there's a lot of extra stuff here this year, which was kind of a pleasant surprise. Um, this, I, is a, this is the issue, though. It's starting to flood in a bit much. Yeah, but the novelty never gets old for me, you know. There's all, it's always fun to get a little peep into alternate timelines. Yeah, I have also a piece of Exostar. Despite my complaints, I do have a piece of Exostar. Right. This is season 15 of The Simpsons. Oh. I think, oh, fuck. Season 15, that's not that great. But it's from the timeline where Phil Hartman never died. Oh, interesting. All right. So we've got Troy McClure. Troy McClure stays on. It's a great. Okay. It's okay. Great so, like, what 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 are some uh, episodes that season uh, alternate season fifteen has in it? Well, the problem is there is a bit of a um, sort of flamboyization effect. Mm -hmm. Sure. Both Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz have become a bit crazier. Troy McClure's sure. sexual liberties have got more extreme, and it, it, it's actually quite like they've managed to keep up the uh, the cutting satire as well. Um, longer than in our timeline, so... So, yeah, I mean, what I'm more interested in, if anything, is the, like, divergent flanderizations uh, of, like, the main cast. Like, okay. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they were flan already flanderized to a certain point by, like, season 8, 9, 10. But what if they continue to be flanderized, but in a different direction? Well, it, it is a bit of that, because um, Homer isn't quite as much of the jerk-ass Homer he became. Uh -huh. But uh, this timeline, Simpsons had a big problem with jerk-ass Maggie. Mm. All right, where she just told smart-ass. I think it might have been like a response to their universes. It might have been a response to that universe's Family Guy as well. Mm -hmm. um, so Maggie, which Maggie was like more successful, more exciting. Yeah, yeah. All right, exactly. Didn't have so to be cancelled like two, three times before it hit its stride. No, no. It's, she's more like she she every, there's one episode every season where she's like full on villain it's like when um, Slideshow Bob comes in sure alright uh, alright that's interesting, interesting. someone uh, like someone you can't trust within the family yeah exactly exactly um, and they had the same issue with Apu uh, where it became um, in that timeline where they cut him out for sensitivity reasons but in this one like Maggie just killed him alright sure yeah, that's one way of doing it one way of doing it. I mean, but that's a further, that's, a, that's another, that's uh, further uh, scene. Ah, shame that this character's sense. problematic, but just fucking kill him. I mean, it's a, it's a way to do it. It's a way to do it. Um, is there, like, a new Indian character in the, in the show after that? Or do they just, like, say, alright, problem solved. Um, I think they do actually. He's Pakistani. Uh, oh, oh, okay, yeah. There's no, no one could get mad about that one. I'm surely, no one. Um, uh, but yeah, I can see Homer getting more like flanderized more into like sort of the sad sack direction. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. We should cover this in a future episode. Yes, um, we we intended we to have... make a deep dive into The Simpsons uh, in the future, but yeah, you know. So actually, what I got this year, what I got this year is some. Uh, I got. I, I now have a complete set from a one universe's um, version of the Unknown Army's card game, trading card game, New Inquisition. Oh shit! 
Um, I've been looking oh, around at various shit. universes for these. I've never found a universe where it lasted more than two sets. So that's the one where it was really successful, right? Yeah, yes, yes. That, that's the one where Atlas Games, like, actually is, like... They're, they're not Wizards tier, but they're kind of up there with, like, fucking, um... Like, Catalyst. You know, like, they're, like, a decently large RPG company. Well, but still what, below, what, like, Paizo um, and Wizards and shit. What, what cards did you get? So, um... I have a holographic Dirk Allen. I'm not sure if the, like, matte stain is part of the card art or just, like... Oh, that's part of the art. Yeah. That's part of the art. Yeah. Really matte stain. Um, All the Dirk ones have matte stains. Uh, I, I got a ritual card of the Ritual of Fealty. Uh, what else did I got? I, I, you know, I got a lot of chaff of just, like, lucky pennies. Um, oh, yep. But, um... I know, this is an interesting card game. Like, you, you traded in the context of a match, like you were trading charges and shit. Um, yeah. there, there was like there, there's this like weird balance between like you know wanting to win, but also like stay on good terms with your opponent because you know the, your usually your opponent has something that you want and they have something that you want and you charges are kind of like a medium of exchange for that. There's also like bidding mechanics yeah. and stuff. It, it, it was an interesting little card gimmick. This Dirk Allen holographic one, because I follow along with this game in that yeah. universe. Yeah, so yeah. I got the magazine. Um, I'm pretty sure this one isn't meant to be released until later this year. It's kind of weird that you've got it. Well, I um, understand that these are all like from the fucking 90s. Oh shit, the Pinkertons! Ah, oh, the Pinkertons are an <laughs> <laughs> 